Good afternoon. My name is Lee Hampshire. I'm the director of the European Union law area at the Florence School of Regulation. And today the law area is bringing um, an inter live interview um, to you uh, on the very recent case of Germany versus Poland, uh, which raises the intriguing uh, topic of energy solidarity. And um, as we'll hear further today, the court, the grand chamber of the court um, decided that energy solidarity is a legally binding principle. It's the thread that binds uh, union and member state energy policy. There's a great deal of um, expectations of this topic, uh, but the consequences of this intriguing ruling uh, have yet I think to be fully thought through. So today we'd like to contribute to that process um, and my colleague at the Florence School of Regulation, Max Munchmeyer, who is a PhD student at the European University Institute writing on this very subject, will give a short introduction to the case and then we will turn to um, Kim Tallis, uh, who is Professor um, at the University of Tulane in the US, as well as uh, the University of East Finland, and certainly no stranger to uh, FSR audiences, um, and indeed uh, contributed to a debate we had on the Advocate General's opinion in the same case earlier this year, as well as on many other issues. And uh, comments will also be provided by Derek Bushel, who is uh, Deputy Director of the Energy um, Community Secretariat in Vienna, uh, with whom we have um, closely cooperated um, over the years on various initiatives. So I'm delighted to have everyone on board. And I'm now going to hand over to Max uh, for a short introduction to the case, and then we'll proceed with our interviews. Thank you. Um, thank you very much, Lee. Uh, I will try to give as, as briefly as possible uh, uh, an introduction to the case to give the relevant facts uh, to provide a foundation for our discussion here today. Um, in essence, uh, the Opal case uh, centers on, on capacity allocation in, in the so-called Opal natural gas pipeline, uh, which uh, connects to the offshore Nord Stream pipeline in, in northeastern Germany and carries Russian gas through eastern Germany all the way down to uh, the German-Czech border. Um, now, in 2009, the Opal pipeline was granted an exemption from third-party access rules under the Natural Gas Directive. Uh, and the conditions of this exemption, however, introduced in effect a 50% cap on the capacity of, of the Opal pipeline that could be used by Gazprom. Um, then in 2016, uh, the European Commission approved, subject to amendments, uh, a decision by the German Federal Network Agency, the Bundesnetzagentur, which modified the conditions of that original 2009 exemption in a way that would allow uh, Gazprom to expand its use of the Opal pipeline far beyond uh, the 50% uh, uh, stipulated in the original uh, exemption. Um, in reaction to this, Poland brought a case 
before the Court of Justice of the European Union, seeking the annulment of the Commission's 2016 decision, uh, alleging that this decision compromised Polish energy security in particular, and indeed pan-European energy security more broadly. Um, the probably most interesting plea here that Poland relied on was that Article 36 of the Natural Gas Directive, uh, which sets out the conditions uh, and procedures for the granting of exemptions for new infrastructure, should be read in conjunction with uh, Article 194, Paragraph 1 of the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union. Um, this article defines uh, the EU's shared competence in energy matters, um, which uh, uh, explicitly includes uh, the security of energy supply, uh, and importantly states that the aims of the European Union's energy policy shall be pursued, and I quote, in a spirit of solidarity between member states, end of quote. And Poland argued that by failing to assess the implications of its decision for the energy interests of other member states, the Commission had breached that principle of energy solidarity, and that consequently its 2016 approval of the Bundesnetzagentur's decision should be annulled. Um, in its ruling of uh, 10 September 2019, the General Court accepted this line of reasoning. Uh, it found that energy solidarity was indeed a justiciable principle of EU primary law, which, and I quote here from paragraph 73 of the judgment, requires the European Union and the member states to endeavour in the exercise of their powers in the field of energy policy to avoid adopting measures liable to affect the interests of the European Union and the other member states, uh, end of quote. Uh, while the court clarified that this does not mean that uh, the decisions uh, uh, in, in, the, in the realm of energy by either the EU or the member states must never uh, have negative impacts on the particular impress of a, on, of a member state. Uh, it, uh, it, did help, it did did hold that the principle of energy solidarity required that the Commission carry out uh, a solidarity assessment, in essence, a balancing exercise of the uh, interests at stake. Uh, and it, it found that uh, the Commission, having failed to carry out that uh, assessment, um, the uh, European Commission was in breach of EU if, of its obligations under European Union law, and consequently that the 2016 decision of the Commission uh, must be annulled. Um, now, Germany subsequently appealed this ruling, uh, relying uh, perhaps chiefly uh, 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 on the fact, on the claim that the concept of solidarity was too abstract a notion and was perhaps never intended to be uh, 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 something that has legal effect of its own. Uh, but in the July 2021 ruling that we are discussing here today, the Court of Justice endorsed the reasoning of both the General Court as well as the Advocate General's opinion uh, that was delivered in March 2021 and upheld the annulment of the 2016 decision. Uh, this, of course, is not without its own complications, given that a WTO panel report in, in August 2018 has uh, found that uh, the original 2009 decision uh, is actually uh, GATT incompatible. Um, so this forms the basis of our talk today, uh, one of certainly many discussions of how energy solidarity now elevated to uh, the status of, of a binding principle of EU primary law uh, will affect EU energy law and policy going forward. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Max. That was an extremely concise introduction and I think confronts us um, already with uh, some of the main issues in the case. So um, if you would like now to commence the interview of uh, Professor Tallis uh, with your first question, that would be great. Thank you. Yes, uh, of course, and, and thank you so very much for joining us, Professor Tallis. Uh, really appreciate it, and and looking forward to hearing your insight on this. Um, in 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 my questions here, I I um, I'm planning to move from the more micro issues, from the more immediate impacts of this finding for the Opal pipeline for gas infrastructure, to at the end, uh, hopefully discussing broader issues. Really, I suppose of of. Uh, the future of uh, European integration in the field of energy, given this landmark ruling by the Court of Justice. Um, however, perhaps it would be best to start uh, with this last uh, aspect that, that I just mentioned in my brief summary of, of uh, the facts of the case uh, and asking you what, what are the implications of this judgment for the future of the Opal pipeline, particularly considering uh, uh, the um, panel report that found the 2009 decision to be uh, GATT incompatible, uh, which, which is currently on the appeal. Thank you, Max. Um, that's a good question. Well, generally speaking, um, the judgment means that we now have a new principle of EU energy law. We don't know how that principle will operate. We are not sure exactly what type of situations uh, will be relevant. We have a broad picture of these things, but we don't have a detailed understanding and that will certainly take many years to, to be clarified. Uh, for the Opal pipeline, it seems to me that the, the ruling need means that they need to reapply for an exemption. Uh, and that application will probably aim at something very similar to the 2016 exemption that the ruling, the Opal ruling concerns. Because uh, we have to remember that the ruling from the court does not mean that um, the 2009 regime could not be changed. It simply requires that when we decide on a new exemption, we need to, or the regulator and the commission needs to consider the impact of the principle of energy solidarity. So it simply means a new application and a new decision. Uh, in the WTO context, as you mentioned, uh, the 2009 exemption regime means uh, or was found uh, to be illegal or contrary to the GATT rules uh, by the WTO panel in the EU-Russia or Russia-EU case uh, because it negatively impacted the competitive opportunities of gas with Russian origin. To me, quite interestingly, this was noted by the Advocate General, but neither the Advocate General or the court seem to have taken it into consideration in their judgments. I think, and I hope the court simply thought that there will be an application and there will be a new exemption and the principle of energy solidarity is reflected in the new exemption, taking into consideration also the WTO ruling. But we do have to remember that that WTO case is still, uh, it was appealed and it's pending, but if that finding is then confirmed, it would mean that the 2009 exemption for Opal was illegal. So that certainly is not an option. 
Thanks. Thank you very much. Certainly, certainly a lot still uh, still to be clarified. To it's quite quite uh, uh, uncertain still. Um, I suppose moving then to I suppose an even bigger area uh, uh, um, of of relevance is would be to to ask how this decision um, impacts the exemption procedure under the natural gas uh, directive, um, and and can we gauge how if at all this might affect uh, a future development of major gas infrastructure uh, and, and uh, its ch their chances uh, of, of being granted an exemption under that directive. Thanks. Uh, to me, one, one clear implication is that the solidarity principle has to be taken into consideration in, in the application and in the decision, and probably very explicitly uh, and not implicitly. So a potential application from now on needs to take a proactive role and, and suggest how the principle will impact the exemption decision. Um, well, because Article 36 concerns um, cross-border infrastructure, uh, as, as we know, a cross-border pipeline will always have an impact on the market beyond the two markets that it actually connects. And so the impact on various markets has to now be considered. The judgment itself refers to those stakeholders that might be affected. And this is a very wide wording and can easily mean that all kinds of indirect impacts count and would trigger the application of the principle for those countries as well. It also means that member states may now complain about the impact of new interconnectors or, or other pieces of infrastructure uh, on the impact on their markets much more easily than before. And this may, as, as you or, or I don't know, I'm not sure whether you suggested, but this may complicate building of new cross-border uh, pipeline capacities. But we do have to note in this context that the judgment, as you mentioned, it's, it's not asking or, or uh, dictating a certain outcome or that the principle would do so. The principle only requires a balancing exercise between the positive and negative impacts of a pipeline. So it's kind of a Dworkinian type of balancing act without dictating an end result. So that, that of course, we need to remember in this context. Thank you very much, and and I think that that brings us to to also to the next question, uh, which is on that sort of broadness, that that vagueness of of the of solidarity provision that the uh, that the court set out, and and in fact of of um, the role of the the role that the court itself envisages envisages for itself in in that solidarity assessment, um, because uh, in, in your commentary in, in your commentary on the uh, Advocate General's opinion uh, that was issued on the 18th of March 2021. Uh, you made the point that the Court of if the Court of Justice were to endorse uh, uh, a limited role for judicial review uh, on the basis of energy solidarity and indeed not set out a, a, a detailed uh, a process or a, a, a detailed methodology for its assessment, uh, that principle could take on a, a, a jack-in-the-box effect and could even uh, undercut the right to effective judicial protection on the Article 47 of the EU Charter on Fundamental Rights. Um, and I was just wondering, could you 
elaborate on that uh, in light of, of the Code of Justice uh, uh, judgment that, that seems to actually have taken the road of, of uh, the sort of broadest possible uh, 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 incarnation of energy solidarity with very little uh, uh, judicial review? Yes, uh, this, this vagueness and the very general nature of all three of uh, the decisions from the court, uh, the general court, the opinion, and now the final judgment, that has really been uh, the focal point of all expert commentators. And, and they've all found it to be somewhat problematic. And now with the judgment, the court did not provide any real guidance on how the principle works and what are the limits and so on. If possible, it was even more vague than uh, the earlier developments. Uh, there was no kind, any kind of mentioning of uh, the judicial review or judicial controls that the court would exercise in the future, and so on and so forth. But strictly speaking, I guess it wasn't necessary for the court to do so in this particular case. And given that it was a grand chamber judgment, and given that they need to all agree on the wording, the court took the easy way, as it does in some other cases as well, or many other cases, and it's silent on these controversial questions. So now, going forward, the actual limits and contours of the principle need to be clarified in, in the future case law. It'll take many cases for the details to be worked out. And for private companies, this is, of course, difficult because we have now a new substantive requirement for an exemption, but we also have a new requirement, in my opinion, to many other parts of EU energy law, a derogation under Article 49A, uh, a decision on, on third country control uh, and unbundling requirements under Article 11 of the Gas Market Directive and many other areas, but we don't know what the principle means for those particular situations. And that's somewhat problematic, of course. Uh, similarly, we don't know how other parties, those affected or those stakeholders that may be affected, will uh, use this principle or misuse this principle. So this, this will be challenging for investors going forward. Thank you very much in, indeed. And I, I think what, what might uh, render uh, that principle uh, even more broad is, is that sort of, and, and what is something that, that I wanted to uh, ask you about is um, that multidimensionality that seems to have come out of this case law. Um, because it, it struck me that Article 194, Paragraph 1 of, of uh, the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union actually only speaks of the spirit solidarity applying between member states. However, through this whole OPAL uh, jurisprudence, uh, it, so I suppose introduced by the General Court, uh, there now also seems to be uh, um, recognized uh, in, in the case law a vertical dimension, meaning that the EU is bound by an obligation of solidarity towards the member states, but that the member states uh, also have an obligation of solidarity um, and I'm quoting here from the, the Code of Justice judgment, with regard to the common interest of the European Union and the policies pursued by it, uh, end of quote. 
Um, I, and I wanted to ask you, what do you think are the consequences of the recognition of this vertical dimension of energy solidarity, if any? And and are there any uh, any in terms of actors any any uh, winners out of out of that situation? Uh, is, does the Commission gain more power through that solidarity obligation vertically, uh, or or is it the member states that uh, that that will perhaps gain a bit more power in that regard? Thank you. These questions get more complicated, uh, it seems. Uh, that's a good question. And, and I'll add that to this uh, complexity, uh, the fact that this case relates to security of supply uh, makes it all, that more, all the more complicated because security of supply, depending on how you want to approach a topic, may mean really anything and everything. But so that that adds to the confusion and, and complication. But coming back to your question, um, well, in the context of Article 36 uh, exemption procedure, because the Commission has the final say, uh, the new principle benefits the Commission, of course, because it may now refuse an exemption based on an incorrect solidarity assessment and provide its own assessment instead. But then this applies, of course, also to uh, member states. And so, because member states can now challenge those EU-level decision-making based on the same principle, this is also something new. And it then, on the other hand, strengthens the position of member states. So I think everybody wins or everybody loses uh, in a way in this, this case. But yeah, it, it does open up a, a method for the member states to question the EU level regulation in the event that they can argue that the measure has a negative impact somehow on their energy market, for example, in a very wide sense, including economics and everything else. It might be used in, in situations uh, where, where the burden coming from EU regulation hits one member state more than the others and so on. So there will be a number of applications for this vertical dimension that you mentioned. Thank you, certainly, certainly very interesting to see how that's going to unfold in, in case law. Um, particularly so, you mentioned uh, that obviously this, this case was uh, uh, had a, an energy security context and, and I think it's probably fair to say that energy security has been the dimension of energy policy most closely tied to solidarity. Um, but what struck me about the Court of Justice ruling that it uh, actually confirmed uh, that the principle of solidarity applies to all aspects of EU energy policy that are mentioned in Article 194, Paragraph 1, which include beyond energy security, the functioning of the energy market, the promotion of energy efficiency and renewable energies, uh, and the interconnection of networks. Um, and that, I suppose that leads to the question of how will solidarity manifest in these other dimensions and, and indeed whether more, uh, uh, I, I imagine, much more case law uh, in these other dimensions uh, regarding energy solidarity is the only way to actually uh, define uh, the content of solidarity regarding those other dimensions of EU energy policy mentioned in Article 194. That's again an excellent question. Uh, this is something you have uh, raised in one of your blog posts on, on general EU, EU law in this, in the context of the Advocate General's opinion. And 
I have no answer to that. Uh, of course, solidarity must mean something else for energy efficiency than it does for uh, security of supply. But I think, as you suggest, it's really up to the future case law to, to answer that question. And that'll take, as I mentioned earlier, many, many years. The good news is, of course, that for us academics, this provides ample opportunities to, to write papers and analyze these questions for many years. Indeed. <laughs> I, I suppose um, another dimension here is, 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 is also that, uh, and, and I suppose one of the first of, of these many uh, uh, cases in, in which that uh, principle of energy solidarity might be more clearly, more sharply defined, uh, is, is probably coming up quite uh, soon, which is the case of um, uh, Czech Republic uh, uh, versus Poland, in, in which the applicant alleges uh, a breach of uh, the principle of sincere cooperation uh, under Article uh, 4, Paragraph 3 of the Treaty on European Union uh, in connection with Poland's alleged, alleged failure to fulfill, it, fulfill its EU environmental impact assessment and consultation obligations for the continuation of lignite mining near the Polish-Czech border. Uh, given that, and I think this was uh, an element of the Court of Justice judgment that was not present to the same degree in the general court judgment, given that the Court of Justice explicitly tied uh, the principle of energy solidarity to sincere cooperation as part of the four paragraph three, uh, do you think that this could be one of the first instances where we, where we might see a development, a further development of um, EU, uh, EU energy solidarity jurisprudence? Uh, well, upfront, I'll, I'll admit that I'm not familiar with the case, but uh, based on what you said, uh, one would assume that as far as the case has an EU energy law and policy dimension, and this is quite important because I think it requires that, uh, then the new principle would apply and Poland would have to consider the impact of continuing lignite mining on its neighbors, but only as far as it relates to EU energy law and policy. But then on the other hand, and what makes it more complicated is that I guess that would also impact the Polish right to decide on its own energy mix, which is also protected under the treaty in Article 1942. And that's a much more complicated question. So that, that's my two cents worked in that area. And, and that, that is actually indeed the question I was going to ask you next, uh, is, is that tension between in Article 194 between uh, that, I suppose that was always sort of inherent between energy solidarity on the one hand in, in paragraph one and then paragraph two, which enshrines a, a member state's right to determine the conditions for exploiting its energy resources, its choice between different energy sources and the general structure of its energy supply. That's that's directly quoting from, from the treaty. Um, does energy uh, so, uh, solidarity that is now has been sort of uh, endowed with the, the, the power of, of being a principle of, of EU law. Um, does, does that have the result that uh, member states' energy sovereignty, their right to determine uh, uh, the energy mix, uh, the, the exploitation of resources and so forth, is, is limited or, or further limited, um, as I suppose you could argue that it, was, it was, hasn't been an absolute right for, for a long time? 
You're absolutely right. It, it has there has been a tension for many many years already, and and that right has been uh, slowly uh, restricted, especially in the area of renewable uh, energy law and policy. But here uh, again, it's it's an interesting question. The the principle of energy solidarity seems to be a treaty level principle, right? Uh, just like and having the same value as the treaty itself. And by default, the same value as Article 194 and the protection of national energy rights. Uh, going forward, I don't have a clear answer, but one could argue that the reference to the solidarity principle in uh, Article 194.1 only refers to the first paragraph of the article. It doesn't refer to the second paragraph. Uh, so in that sense, it should not apply. However, the, or, or restrict the national energy rights. But despite of this, I wouldn't exclude that it would have some sort of impact also on these national energy rights. Maybe not directly, but at least by default. Okay, thank you very much. And I, I, I suppose if we were to to take uh, just look at Article 1941, coming back to the uh, EU energy policy priorities that that are enumerated in that paragraph, uh, I I thought what set the Court of Justice uh, judgment apart from from the General Court uh, and the uh, judgment and the Advocate General's opinion. Uh, is that not only did it acknowledge, uh, uh, as, as we've already talked about, that energy solidarity applies to all facets of EU energy policy, but in fact, uh, there was this um, peculiar, I thought quite peculiar quote, uh, that it said that energy solidarity, in fact, is the threat that brings the energy policy priorities on our Article 1941 together and gives them coherence. That's in paragraph three, uh, 43 of the judgment. Um, I was wondering, is this a signal that that um, energy solidarity could could perhaps be used as as a means to ensure coherence or to manage trade-off between those uh, those policy priorities where where they arise? I think the the principle is in practice more concerned with the impact of member states' energy decisions on their fellow member states. But despite of this, I think the answer has to be yes. Because if you look at the wording of Article 194, it says that the union policy on energy shall aim in the spirit of solidarity between member states. And then there's those four policy areas uh, that we need to aim for. And to me, uh, it seems, and, and the judgment makes it very clear, that the all these EU energy policy decisions need to be in line with principle of energy solidarity. And to me, it means that it includes possible trade-offs between different policy objectives. And a practical example of this sort of trade-off could be between the promotion of renewable energy, for example, versus then market creation in certain member states. And if the impact is very asymmetric, that could trigger a solidarity question. At least at minimum, that type of argument, I think, could be made. So I think the answer is yes. Uh, it will also be used to manage trade-offs. And I'm certain that that principle has already come up in various council negotiations between member states, for sure. There's no doubt. 
Thank you very much, and, and and thank you so very much for for answering this. What what I realize are, are extremely broad questions, and I think at this this stage, uh, um, uh, there's, there's, as 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 we've discussed, there's there's still uh, uh, so much to to um, determine. I, I think the last question, unfortunately, that that I that I do have for you is if is if anything, even more broader. And I was I was going to ask you what, in your view, would be the implications of the uh, recognition of of energy solidarity. Uh, uh, as a, a justiciable principle of EU primary law for uh, for the European Green Deal, thinking of the um, the uh, uh, the Fit for 55 package that was released the same week as as this this judgment came out, uh, it just got me thinking that particularly having talked about that vertical dimension of uh, energy solidarity, presumably that means that member states now have an, a solidarity obligation with, say, the European Union's uh, uh, decarbonisation target for 2030, the 55% reduction, uh, uh, but but there might also be, be uh, drawbacks for, for the European Union's ability to, to achieve that target. And I, I was just curious about your take on that. Well, at minimum, as, as I mentioned, uh, this principle now will, will be an integral part of the Council negotiations for these new uh, legislative instruments. That that's certain, uh, but also as I mentioned before, I'm sure it will come up and have an impact in areas where you have negative market impact impacts on on renewable production uh, in in a state or other other energy policy decisions that have a connection with EU energy policy. Uh, another area where this certainly comes up uh, would be the burden sharing during the transition towards a uh, low carbon or carbon neutral uh, energy system. I think in our last uh, FSR, FRS, sorry, uh, Opal pipeline uh, webinar or, or podcast, uh, we had a representative from Poland who suggested that Poland could now challenge the measures that would place Poland in somehow more disadvantageous position compared to other member states. In these type of situations, they could refer to the solidarity obligations and ask for adjustments. And so I think there are a lot of different ways in which this principle will impact uh, the, the legislative activity in this area, for sure, because this package, the Fit for 55, is transforming. It's, it's very significant and it will have all kinds of impacts on all kinds of actors. And uh, with this new principle, especially being so recent, uh, it'll have an impact and it will be used as part of the negotiations. Thank you so very much, Professor Talas. I think that was uh, in, in rather a short period of time, we covered a, a tremendous, tremendous amount of ground. Uh, um, and I, I just wanted to give the opportunity to Professor Bushler to also come in on on uh, on this case and and give his insights on uh, on uh, energy solidarity. Happy to follow up on this uh, very interesting exchange between you, Max, and uh, Kim Talus. I think uh, what we all can say is that this is a judgment. This is the kind of judgment that leaves nobody unaffected. That's of course uh, something very uh, that's very good at least for energy lawyers. I have to maybe start my remarks and my personal reading 
of the judgment with uh, some kind of a disclosure as somebody who has worked at European courts before, as somebody who is an adept of uh, German constitutional law as well, and somebody who's enforcing European law now here at the energy community. Um, I am definitely somebody who sees the need and also the potential of general principles being turned into hard law. And I also understand that this is uh, maybe the end of the Opal saga, but this judgment is definitely the beginning uh, of another saga, uh, and that's the saga of energy solidarity. It leaves many questions open that has been already stated, but to some extent that's also the way how uh, the Court of Justice works, especially in cases uh, where there's the, the grand scheme um, at stake. And I think that's also... Uh, something that uh, should um, actually make us welcome this judgment. Uh, for once, the court uh, who has been involving itself in the past in energy law, European energy law matters, as is natural, um, is not dealing with the nitty-gritties of interpreting directives and regulation, but is really um, tackling the, the big issues. And uh, the role and the concept and the dimension of energy solidarity is definitely one of the uh, big issues uh, for the development of European energy law. Um, what is so important about the judgment, I believe that uh, what we witness here is that solidarity, if we look at it, um, it is probably the motivation, has been the motivation in the past already, um, behind most of the legal acts and definitely the policies adopted in the area of energy and climate. We have already been discussing just transition fund, certain aspects of the ETS, um, the effort sharing regulation, even the CBAM, the recently proposed CBAM, is an expression of solidarity. But it is changing now from this general policy motivation, and the court acknowledges that, um, to becoming part of the law that it used to underpin, that principle of energy solidarity. So that's an exciting uh, development. And maybe, um, ironically, it's happening at the time where the whole concept of classic energy law is dissolved, is being dissolved in the whirlwind of uh, decarbonization, energy transition, transformation, and, and green deal. You know? We will not see many more uh, cases, neither in court nor decided by the Commission on on pipeline exemptions or exemptions applied to natural gas pipelines, because we've not seen many more natural gas pipelines in the future. Um, so we are definitely here um, between uh, two regimes, energy law as we know it, uh, and something new where energy solidarity will play probably an even more important role than um, what we see and read now about Article 36. My um, remarks uh, on the judgment itself uh, relate to the fact that um, indeed we'll have to all together, and uh, Kim is fully right in saying uh, that this is maybe more the, the job of academia than of uh, courts. God knows when the court will next time be called upon to interpret solidarity principles, um, to flesh out this principle in, in two um, aspects. First of all, in the dimensions, so who is bound by it and who is beneficiary of it. And secondly, also in terms of content. And I think the um, judgment itself indeed leaves many questions open, 
Um, in terms of the dimension, we see now that in the Opal constellation, so where the commission as an administrative, an executive agency is adopting decisions that um, they need to take into account this principle of energy solidarity um, that's um, clear and it may be relied upon in court by member states uh, or if they have standing individuals. Um, we uh, also learn from the judgment that also for other pieces of secondary legislation, um, the principle of energy solidarity matters. That may turn into an integration boomerang uh, because evidently as solidarity has seems to have to do with member states' interests, those member states who have been outvoted in the legislative in procedure, they could now challenge um, acts adopted based on their interest. That's an, I find that a fascinating um, constellation. And then what the court also says, and in that respect, I would say that's probably the, the biggest surprise because it's also not really well introduced or argued is that it applies in all other constellations as well. So that is member states between each other, member states and the European Union, the Euro European Union and the uh, member states. So we have a triangle in every possible constellation of which the legal principle, the hard legal principle of energy solidarity may play a role. And we will see how that develops further. In terms of content, I think it became clear that the principle is mostly a, a procedural one. Uh, so you identify interest and then you balance uh, those interests. That's fair enough. Nothing very big, um, not, nothing um, revolutionary in that. Um, on, more on substance, I find interesting that the uh, judgment is very much fixated and it wouldn't have to be that way, despite, of course, the case was uh, about a gas pipeline on the principle of security of supply. So still energy sol solidarity is very much linked to, um, solid, uh, for security, to security of supply. It's not always very consistent. Sometimes the court speaks about impact on the Polish gas market or then danger for gas supply. So it's not entirely clear what is meant by this link. Um, we also know that security of supply is not necessarily only a European concept. It started as a, a member state's defense. They relied on their security of supply against acts of the European uh, Union. So maybe that's also a little bit of superficial in the uh, reasoning of the court. Um, but overall, I think it's fair enough to say that um, we or what, what the court actually says with respect to the Opal case is not such a great um, change after all. It essentially calls for a more thorough, a more comprehensive assessment of the security of supply notion in Article 36. Uh, that's not radically new, um, but of course it leaves uh, many questions open. And there I would probably come in from the position of an enforcer myself, how, how would we apply uh, this principle we had in the past, uh, interesting exemption decisions, uh, opinion we call them on uh, Turkstream 2, but also on, on uh, TAP, uh, the Trans-Adriatic Pipeline. Um, 
when you apply this Article 36, of course, you want to make it uh, defendable. It's in the energy community. We don't have a court, but still, um, you don't just um, go about abstract notions and assess abstract notions like solidarity, security of supply, without giving them um, something that can be that it can be assessed against in the area of uh, of competition. It would be the Herfindale-Hirschman index, it would be the N-1 criteria in security of supply, something that you can actually reason. And now, how would um, energy solidarity fit into that? Um, I think that that is a question that we will see now in what how the Commission will apply it as well. Um, linked to that question is how would the court then um, assess a commission decision and how much um, margin of discretion would it give to the, the commission? I think that will be a very important question um, that we will see in the next um, general court's uh, judgment then probably. And probably this court thought we will cross that bridge when we get there. Um, the real issue I see, and I've said it before, with um, applying the principle of energy solidarity, um, and I'm acknowledging all the potential and the uh, positive potential it leaves for uh, future cases and also um, application in practice, but is that the term of solidarity has never really been defined. With all the etymology, its history, etc., that seems to be rather... Uh, based on um, individual uh, interests, so to help out individuals, maybe the German government with a, a line of reasoning which was not very fortunate, a little bit clumsy on this emergency application, only tried to make that point. Um, there was never an, um, an assessment what we mean when we say solidarity. The court um, just equates it with the interests of member states, uh, so interests of states, without really saying who would um, define these interests. Naturally, in the EU, it would be the government, but um, Opal already indicates that there are business interests at stake, there are civil society interests at stake. So to define a state's interests um, is not as easy as it used, as it used to be 100 years ago today. Um, and I think that still has to happen. Um, and um, more precisely, the, the interest of a state is probably not the same as solidarity. Um, there I can, and I conclude with that, refer to the preamble of the Energy Community Treaty, uh, which was among the first, if not the first, uh, European act introducing the concept of solidarity. And it... Um, essentially um, calls upon the energy community to establish among the parties an integrated market in natural gas and electricity based on common interest and solidarity, which to me indicates that these are different things. Interest is one thing, solidarity is another thing. And I think that's a fundamental issue um, which we'll all have to contribute um, uh, in, in clarifying and which then also will make this principle of energy solidarity um, as welcome as it is something uh, that can be more clearly and maybe with more legal certainty applied to individual cases. Thanks. Thank you very much, Professor Buschler. Uh, as I think, and, and thank you very much, Professor Thales, uh, both of you for your 
for helping us make sense of, of this judgment, which I think is going to be the basis of many more debates like this. Uh, for me personally, it's also been a, a privilege to be able to put to you these questions, which, which I'm uh, confronting myself in my doctoral research. Um, so thank you so much. And, and, and what, uh, uh, what's, what's left for me is, is to hand over to Lee for final, final remarks in, in, this, um, in this recording. Thank you very much, Max. Uh, thank you, everyone concerned for an excellent discussion. Um, summing up the question that is rattling around in my mind is, is, is this whole concept of solidarity, is it a means to an end or is it an end in itself? And um, if, it's, if it's a means to an end, would it in effect replace uh, the drive for an internal market, which was also after all supposed to be a means to an end, that this was the greater good of the whole exercise was to have a, a single market uh, in Europe. We haven't achieved that goal, um, but perhaps the whole uh, discourse is, is shifting now, uh, given that energy and climate policy are so much, um, or they must be integrated, that solidarity means then it's a means to achieving the goals uh, that the collectivity, the EU, sets itself um, in the context of, of international agreements like the Paris Agreement. So to achieve the those goals, to achieve the targets, we need to um, adopt a solid, a solid air, uh, as we say in Dutch. Uh, so we have to be solid and uh, coherent and act together in our approach. So perhaps it will be more of a, a unifying uh, principle um, as to how we confront these challenges uh, rather than an opt out for the member states who are claiming that their own interests are not being taken into account sufficiently. It, it could go the other way which would be really interesting to see if that is um, a possibility. And I think given that the court um, was facing looking at this concept of solidarity, um, a comparison with how it would it would apply it here and how it applies it in, in the various immigration policy cases, um, these major challenges that we have to confront as, as a union um, require perhaps that we have a common approach to solidarity, that it's not a mechanism that member states can invoke um, to protect their own interests. On the contrary, um, it's, it's um, a way of ensuring that we strive together to achieve objectives. Could be, that's um, another way of looking at it. But as I think we've heard from everyone today, only time will tell um, and we'll need a lot more uh, rulings on the spirit of solidarity um, before we know exactly um, what firm contours that spirit will assume in the future. And I'm sure we'll have more discussions as the case law evolves. So thank you very much, everyone. And um, I wish you all a good evening. And I hope that listeners will enjoy um, as much as I have um, listening to this excellent debate. Thank you all and hope to see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you.